The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The theme of the day is being called into God's work. We use that word a lot in churches, right? That word called. We're called to something, or God calls us. But what does that look like or feel like? How do we know when we are being called? In our first lesson, we read of Eli and Samuel. God calls Samuel in the night, waking him from his sleep and creating this funny misunderstanding like an old comedy sketch. As Samuel keeps running to Eli and Eli keeps saying, I didn't say anything until finally Eli realizes, oh, this is God's voice, and gives Samuel instructions on how to respond. What we don't read is that once Samuel listens, he is given some pretty tough instructions. He will have to deliver a message that some people, including Eli, won't want to hear. And yet he bravely follows God's call. God's call can sound like a voice in the night trying to catch your attention. In our gospel lesson, we read of Philip and Nathanael. Philip is quick to follow Jesus, and he invites Nathanael to come and see. Nathanael is a bit more skeptical. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yet something finally convinces Nathanael, and like Philip, he sets out on a path to follow Jesus. They leave their families and their livelihoods, and they don't know it yet, but they are risking their lives to follow a leader who will be crucified. Yet, they also 
witness incredible miracles with their own eyes and hear the words of Jesus firsthand and have this incredible experience of getting to see what a life of love, forgiveness, and healing looks like. God's call can look like a friend inviting you on an adventure. This morning, we started our worship service with a baptism. We saw Teddy, only a few months old, claimed by God and adopted into the body of Christ. And when one so small is baptized, it's a reminder to us that the promise of baptism has nothing to do with who we are or what we've done. God's love comes freely to us because of who God is. We can't even begin to imagine all of God's work that will be done through Teddy, how his life of faith will unfold and the good that he will do in the world. God's call can look like a newborn baby being baptized. There's no one way for a call to look or sound. God's call can come at any age. God's call can come through prayer or hearing God's voice or a friend or an invitation through family, through water and the word. God's call can look like a number of different things. But the common thread seems to be that being called involves letting God lead. Listening instead of speaking, following where Jesus takes us, even if this listening and following come after some initial confusion or resistance, like in our stories today. Following God's call means letting go of the control we have over our own lives, or at least the control we think we have over our lives, and putting our lives into God's hands, following where the Spirit leads. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, and what better example is there of following God's call. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was called by God to do the work that he did. He was, after all, a pastor, serving a congregation in Alabama, and somehow his work as a pastor led him into organizing protests and giving a voice to a growing movement. He also experienced this call by his community, his network. He was one of many incredible pastors in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and was practically elected to speak on behalf of his colleagues who saw something special in him, not just his ability to fight for racial equality, which was the work they were all trying to do, but this ability to win over people's hearts, to speak of justice as a matter of loving one's neighbor, 
and finding common ground in a sacred story. Martin Luther King lost his life because of what he believed in. His words of love and justice and equality were terrifying to some. But in his lifetime, he helped our country make some of the biggest strides in the fight for human rights, a struggle that continues today. When we think of those who are called, we can think of heroes like Martin Luther King, these important figures who changed history. But there are plenty of everyday heroes, too. The ordinary saints among us who show us the church in action, who inspire us to follow God's call. I knew a woman named Edna. She was a retired nurse. She was very small in stature with a quiet voice. But she was full of wisdom and full of surprises. She was a woman who was always willing to follow God's call. While in her late 70s, early 80s, she was called to serve in Liberia, using her nursing skills to care for others and to teach nursing. She would pack up and leave her home for months at a time. And perhaps even more impressive than Edna's yearly trips to Liberia was her willingness to be an adult leader on a youth mission trip, which only required her to travel to Maryland, but meant wielding power tools and sleeping on an air mattress for a week and playing laser tag. When praised for her selflessness, her bravery, or her sacrifice, she would dismiss such praise and say it was actually all very selfish. You see, because it brought her so much joy. With the exception of playing laser tag, which she didn't care for. In my own life, I've experienced God's call many times, never being sent as far as Liberia, but still finding myself in some pretty wonderful and sometimes unexpected places. Answering a call to ministry, hosting mission trips with many folks who didn't believe women should be ordained, working at a Home Depot in Colorado, spending a year in Montana, and a call into parenthood, raising a toddler, definitely the biggest adventure so far. Sometimes the Spirit worked with a voice, an audible voice. Sometimes through the invitation of a friend. Sometimes it was from another opportunity falling through. Sometimes there was this intense tugging at my heart. And sometimes I didn't see how God was at work until looking back and seeing all that God had done, how the pieces fell into place, how each experience led to the next, leading me to exactly where I was supposed to be. What makes a call a call 
isn't how far it makes us travel or how much we are pushed out of our comfort zones or how much civil disobedience we stir up. Though all of these things can occur and might occur, a calling is what happens when we allow ourselves to listen to God, when we accept Jesus' invitation to follow him. And the truth is, when we do that, we honestly don't know what's going to happen next. We might be called to serve our neighbors in Kenya, like Sue Swanberg, or serve the neighbors in our own community by creating homeless kits. We might find ourselves at a demonstration protesting for equal rights, something we would never thought we'd do. Or at a library, trying to educate ourselves on an issue that we're hoping to understand. We might be called to help someone in need, or called to accept help, even if that's a challenge for us to do that. We might be called to live as simply as possible off of very little, rejecting the hamster wheel of earning and spending. Or called to give generously from accumulated wealth. Or called to reconcile with a family member we haven't spoken to in years, practicing God's forgiveness. Or just go around giving a friendly wave to strangers. We just talked about that at Women's Prayer and Share yesterday, how these little gestures can mean so much, especially in these isolating times. Just giving a friendly wave to someone. It's really exciting when you think about it that you can't say for sure where your life will lead. It's like driving at night. The headlights only show you a little bit of the road at a time, but that's really all you need to see. It's enough to get you where you need to go. And we trust that the road we're on is a good one, a meaningful path that brings joy, even if it's sometimes challenging that through our willingness to follow Jesus, we are doing God's work in the world, that through our words and actions, through our own lives, and in our shared life as a congregation, in small ways, but maybe in some big ways too, that we are making the world a more loving place, living the good news, and bringing glory to God. Amen.